Welcome to Pod to the Rescue. Rescuing the dog is just the first step. We're here to help with everything that comes next. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pod to the Rescue. I'm Libby. And I'm Emily. And today we are going to talk about Barking 101. And I've been a little intimidated to do this episode because I feel like barking is so complex and vast and it's so common and tackling it in one training basics episode is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this might just be barking 101 to be followed up as we go on with other episodes that delve deeper into deeper specifics. Definitely, because there are a lot of different reasons why dogs bark, which we'll get into in a little bit. But the overarching kind of thing that we want to leave our listeners with today is that dogs bark. <laughs> I know. Congrats, it's a dog. End it's of episode. It's a dog, yes. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it, and you know, when you go to the zoo, you hear zoo animals vocalizing Mm -hmm. and, you know, if you went up to the zookeeper and said, I just don't want to hear that hippo anymore, or I don't want to hear that elephant, like making its elephant noise, people would look at you. You, you, We would never do that. But dogs, Mm -hmm. they live in our homes. And we have, as we always say, like this mythological, like you should be here. You should be quiet. You should just be perfect little lassie and only bark when Timmy's in the well, you know, but so many of these dogs in our lives bark for so many different reasons as we can explain later, but, but they're barking for a reason and they have been, so many of them have been bred to bark. And it's also just the way dogs, one of the main ways dogs communicate, just like we communicate through talking, right? Birds sing dogs bark. Can you imagine if like dogs were like, could shock us for talking. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Sorry. That's getting dark there, but you know, like, like it's, it's just one of those things. And they're, mm-hmm. they're in our houses. Most of the time are locked in our yards. If they could go out and wander for miles, like it was, you know, 50 years ago, they probably wouldn't be barking as much as they are. So I think that we just have to like reframe barking. And full disclosure, barking is tough for me because I have a Pyrenees Mm -hmm. and she came to me for one reason that her people gave her up was that she barked a lot. They put a bark collar on her, Mm. um, a shock collar, and then she just started digging up their beautiful yard. And so it's like she was barking because she was bored and she was bred for the last 2000 years to alert to noises. (laughs) And, um, and then, then when she started getting shocked for barking, she decided to start digging up, digging is another natural behavior. <sighs> yeah. And that brings up this, this situation we often get ourselves into when we start correcting behavior without thinking about the root cause. And sometimes the root cause is that thousands of years of breeding Sometimes we close off one channel for an expression of natural behavior and the behavior pops up somewhere else. And we don't like that either. Right. Yeah. And with punishment, the fallout is usually something 
less enjoyable than just barking, you know? Mm-hmm, so you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it does seem like behavior just like leaks out somewhere and it's, it's not something we necessarily are going to enjoy. Like these right. people were like, well, they had like a beautiful garden with like mm-hmm. landscaping. They were like, she's got to go. Yeah. So yeah. L- real quick, let's just address why we wouldn't recommend using a bark collar, whether it uses shock or citronella. Yeah. I think just going back to that AVSAB statement about, you know, when you suppress or punish a behavior, there's this high risk of fallout mm-hmm. of, you know, aggression, anxiety, like we're not teaching the dog what we want them to do. We're just suppressing a behavior with punishment mm-hmm. and, oh, this could go, this could go on for a while, but like they could be making really bad associations. Like I'm extremely lucky that my Pyrenees does not have aggression mm-hmm. because, you know, those chances were pretty darn high to shock a Pyrenees. Yeah. I would never do it. Um, and even citronella, I mean, they're their nose is so much stronger and more powerful than ours. So to spray her with something that just like bombards her nasal passage seems so just a bad idea. Mean, Mm -hmm. you know, aggressive, punishing. I just couldn't do it. So, yeah. So yeah, all of these, a lot of common tips that you hear from oh, your neighbor or your cousin's in-laws or (laughs) someone on the internet about using a bark collar or shaking a can of pennies or using a spray bottle or something that might make your dog stop barking because the experience is so aversive, but there are risks of fallout and also they might start exhibiting other behaviors like Piper digging in the beautiful landscaping because they need an outlet for their natural mm-hmm. dog instincts. So true. I have a friend who had an Anatolian shepherd. This was like 12 years ago before I even knew anything mm-hmm. or better. And she hired a trainer to come and deal with his barking. And the trainer said, just have your hose ready. And when oh. he barks, spray him with the hose and this was the sweetest dog. He had, we petted him a lot. He was around my son and all my son's friends. Well, fast forward four months, he started biting people who came into the yard. He bit multiple people and he was oh, a wow. big dog. So, you know, I bet she kind of wishes she hadn't sprayed him. Right. So there's a little cautionary tale there. Yeah. So, okay. We've gotten that out of the way. What not to do? But that's not very helpful if your dog is barking nonstop and you, for whatever reason, um, don't want them barking so much. Right. Because I've got to say, I personally wish my dog barked less. So Mm -hmm. this is my own personal challenge. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to move out of suburbia. This is actually what I'm trying to do. But (laughs) she she also has very limited access to stimuli that would make her bark. Mm -hmm. Um, But- I guess let's back up a little bit and talk about like trying to identify in your dog. If you're a listener right now and you're like, my dog is barking. um, I would try to figure out why are they barking? Because one of the complicated things about barking is there's like multiple categories of barking. 
Yeah, just like we can use our voices and speak to express any number of emotions or to communicate, you know, anything that's going on, dogs bark about all sorts of different things. Yeah. And so trying to figure out like, are they fearful? Are they frustrated? So there's a really great book that I would recommend anyone who has a barking dog gets called Barking, The Sound of a Language by Turid Rugas. She's a Swedish behaviorist who's amazing. And she breaks down barking into six categories, excitement barking, warning barking, guarding barking, fear barking, frustration barking, and learned barking, um, which is more like I would say like demand barking, barking that has, that we in some way inadvertently reinforce, mm-hmm. um, which is those six categories makes me immediately be like, this is, this could be like a five hour episode, <laughs> or we just need to like keep delving into barking mm-hmm. as we, as we go on with this pod- podcast. Yeah. So I think that we'll probably just give some of our top tips for the most common types of barking, especially, you know, the types of complaints that we see in rescue dogs, um, or dogs who are being, um, you know, returned to rescue or who are being rehomed. Yeah. I think that's a great way to approach it. Um, you know, I think I see a lot of dogs who, you know, hear things like, let's say you just brought your dog home and there's new noises or new sounds outside. So alert barking, you know, which would be Mm -hmm. kind of that warning barking. And you're like, what is that sound? Bark, 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 bark. Visual is a biggie, you Mm -hmm. know? So if you have a dog and they can see out the window and there's things passing in front of that window, um, I'd say that's a hugely common one Yeah, where like, you know, dog sees dogs and kids and skateboards and that one, I just go straight for a visual blocker. Mm-hmm. Do you have film on your windows or you don't? Cause you're in the country. I don't because nobody walks by, here, <laughs> which is really fabulous. So Daisy can see, um, she can stand on our bed and look out the window um, and see prairie dogs. And so she'll mm. sometimes bark at prairie dogs. <laughs> uh, but it, that's usually not a big deal, you know. Um, but we often recommend window film, which is just a, pro- a removable product that you can stick on the inside of your windows and it lets the light in, but it makes everything on the other side of the window all fuzzy. Or they sometimes, you can find them with like a a faux stained glass kind of pattern, which is kind of pretty. Um, And so it's an easy way, a non-permanent way to just eliminate the visual trigger. If your dog is alert barking at everything, every person who walks by on the sidewalk outside your house, it's a man, sure, it's a management tool, but you you're really just eliminating the problem. It's, it's really handy. I have window film on all my windows that face the street. Mm-hmm. Otherwise Piper would be barking at everyone who goes past, mm-hmm. which is no fun. Um, 
And then the other thing is like, if it's a noise issue, white, like if they're hearing jingling of tags or barking at the sound of scooters, if you're in suburbia or urban area, or even, um, you know, if you're in an apartment complex and the people next to you have kids like stomping around, that makes your dog alert bark. I would say white noise is mm-hmm. a really great thing to diminish the noise. And this is a tip that we both learned from Kim Brophy. So oftentimes people will use a white noise machine, but that has varying levels of effectiveness. And if a white noise machine isn't working, try getting instead a box fan, like just the cheap ones you can get from any wholesale store and pointing the fan towards the wall, towards the source of the noise. And then the sound waves, the fan helps break up the sound waves. It buffers them and it actually reduces the noise rather than just covers it up. And how we respond to the barking is also a big tip because full disclosure, I'm sure 10 years ago, I would be like, no, stop barking. So we're becoming aroused and emotional about whatever it is out there, according to Mm -hmm. the dog. Mm -hmm. So another tip from Kim Brophy is just be like, hey, it's the neighbors. So you're naming whatever the stimuli is hey, it's just an ambulance. And then I would personally always try to pair that stimuli with something good. Mm -hmm. So here you go. It's just the mailman. Here's some, you know, roast beef. Right. Yeah. So on that note, you know, some alert barking to something like the UPS man coming to your door Now, Em, I don't know about you, but I want Daisy to bark. I want my dog to bark if there's someone creeping around the house. And so I I don't mind that at all, but I do exactly what you're saying. I say, oh, it's the UPS man. It's okay. He's here to deliver a package. And she learns that I'm not concerned about it. So she doesn't have to be concerned about it either. And again, like you said, you can pair that with, let's go into the kitchen. Let's grab a small handful of kibble. Let's toss it on the ground, a little treat scatter. And then if you keep this up really predictably before too long, your dog will bark, 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 and then come find you like, Hey, it's time for my treat scatter, (laughs) which is a great way to handle this kind of alert barking. I think so too. And so many of these barking behaviors come from an emotion. So, you know, I know people will be like, well, aren't you like rewarding the barking, but it is changing an emotional association Mm -hmm. of you, of pairing it with the food. Like four or five years ago, I had a long-term foster dog who was semi-feral and he used to bark at the neighbor when he came out on his deck Um, and the neighbor, the deck was higher. So all of a sudden you would just see this man's head poking up above the fence and this poor feral sweet as can be, but fearful foster dog would just be like, it was like really high pitched and alarming to me and all the neighbors, you know, nobody loved Mm -hmm. it. And he had to be out there sometimes, you know, to go potty and be outside. So I always had my treats ready to go. And 
I would just go out and be like, it's just the neighbor. And then I would throw food and he would start searching for the food. Mm -hmm. And it took months, but we really, by like 80% diminished the barking at the floating head on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he learned that the head predicted good things in food, not bad things as in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Yelling or spraying. Yeah. You know, and I know my neighbor was like, why don't you get a shot collar for him? You know, so that he stops barking. And I was like, so here's what's going to have to happen. <laughs> really appreciate your patience. Yeah. You know, he was really great about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it worked and it, he gained confidence. There's also, I'm not a neuroscientist, but when a dog is searching for food, they're in their like prefrontal cortex Mm. and thinking. And -hmm. when they're fear barking, they're in their amygdala. So like cortisol, adrenaline, they're all. So if you can get them to redirect to searching for food, they're going into like a calming learning part of their brain. Right. Right. Well, we've talked about this before that sniffing releases all of those feel good hormones. So doing a treat scatter like that in the backyard is a great way for your dog to kind of just bring it down a notch, whether Mm -hmm. it's from fear, arousal, excitement, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of a treat scatter. Mm -mm. So what are some other categories of barking that we can give some quick tips on them? I would say, you know, for herding dogs, it seems like so many dogs in rescue right now are herding dogs. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) Yeah. Like German shepherds, border collies, cattle Mm -hmm. dogs, Aussies. Mm -hmm. Those dogs were bred to be vocal. Oh yeah. Um, so for Daisy, her, she has several categories of barking. Um, One of which is, what would you call like a herding bark? I don't even know. Excitement? Yeah. It's just a... Is it excitement like when she sees bikes? Is that what it is? Yeah. Or like sometimes if she tries to herd us in the house. So it's just a communication of, hey, something's happening and I want to control it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, breed really matters when we're talking about this. I think we should talk about breed because I do think breeds Mm -hmm. are so much of this, like so baked in. Yeah. So I feel like with herding dogs, Mm -hmm. barking, just like with the livestock guardians is baked in, you know, it's like comes out of the box with this bark, 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 bark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like nowadays there's just so many of those dogs in rescue and in shelters. Mm -hmm because they're coming, a lot of these dogs are coming from rural areas. And this is totally like not scientifically researched, but if you think about it, like urban people are spaying and neutering way more than the rural areas, wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, just listen to our episode with Meredith Perry. And we go into this in detail about why we have so many dogs coming from rural areas, you know, and I have a theory about Daisy, which is she's most likely from working line cattle dogs. And that's a whole other ball game from (laughs) quote unquote show line where they're more bred to be family type dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah, breed really matters. And speaking of breeds, you know, your scent hounds like beagles and oh, basset hounds. I mean, they're literally, hounds. yeah, they are bred to just bay and bay and bay in oh. response to certain stimuli. It's just baked into their DNA, which isn't to say that all of them will have this trait. You know, of course there are failed hunting dogs and it's not to say that you can't teach one of these dog breed, a dog of one of these breeds to make different choices, but you have to expect it and accept it. If you get a dog of certain breeds, um, that barking might be an issue and it might be something that you have to work a little bit harder on if you have one of these breeds that's known for barking. Amen, sister. Um, so we've covered kind of some of the more high energy type breeds, but you know, something else we see a lot is small dogs who bark all the time. One of the reasons for that is that, um, as we bred dogs to be, you know, like toy types breeds to be smaller and smaller, along with that came some characteristics of the nervous system, like neophobia, fear of new things. And, um, and just some general anxiety. Temple Grandin has research on the relationship between lower bone density and higher levels of anxiety. Plus there's just a lot for a smaller dog to be afraid of. I mean, imagine if you were walking around the world at 12 inches high and everything was a giant in your world, it's just a little more scary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Small dog you know, people say, oh, it's so yippy, but really there's a lot for them to be afraid of. Totally. All right. So how do we assess what the dog is trying to communicate with their barking? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. We look at their body language. <laughs> yeah. Which we say, yes. this comes up every single episode. It look does. at your dog's body language to help figure out their emotional state. Right, Em? Mm -hmm. I would say that that would be where I would start. And then, you know, also looking at what is happening in the environment. And then also um, in the Turid Rugas book, she describes different sounds that the bark has like staccato or mm. high pitched. And that can also help us understand, you know, the pattern of the bark and what is happening in the environment. So mm -hmm. if, you know, a dog is going past the window and it's bark, 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 um, it could be frustration barking. It could be anxiety barking. Mm -hmm. So body language also, and so looking at that body language, circling back, like, is the dog really aroused? Do they have their hackles up? Are they leaning forward? Are they leaning backward? Are, is their face stressed? Or do they seem like excited? Like, I, I want to meet that dog. I want to meet that dog. I'm excited. Really loose, floppy body language. How you deal with it all comes down to the reason why the behavior is happening, in my opinion. A lot of times a dog barking out the window at a dog going past or a person going past, it could be frustration barking. Like, mm. I think that Piper's barking is somewhere between 
you know, guarding because she's a guard dog, you know, mm-hmm. livestock guardian. But I think it's also frustration barking. Like, mm-hmm. look at all this exciting stuff going on outside my house. And I am stuck in this house and I can't go say hi. Yeah. Because she's very social. So you have to look at the situation. If you have a fearful dog who's not pro-social, chances are it's fear barking or warning barking. Mm-hmm. But if you have a very social dog, it could be like, oh, she's frustrated because she can't get there. Yeah. She can't get to that thing. Right. That's very frustrating. And if your dog is barking from excitement, you could make it worse by doing something like a treat scatter. So it's important to know that kind of thing. You know, if your dog is barking because they're so, so excited about, um, you know, a person coming into the house and then you make it an even bigger deal by adding all of this good stuff, you're increasing their arousal. You're not helping them come down and process. So, you know, this treat scatter is a great tool when it comes to something like fear or alert or warning or guarding, especially because you're also teaching them the behavior of moving, say, away from the door and to another spot. Um, But this is why it's important to read your dog look at their body language and look at the whole picture of what's happening. And one thing we always say in training is like, what would you want your dog to do instead? So, you know, I would go back and listen to our door greeting. If you're, if you have a barker at the door, Um, but my lab, Sadie, who was one of my best dogs ever, she had excitement slash anxiety barking when people came in the house, it was just too overwhelming for her. Mm -hmm. So we taught her, to get her ball in her mouth because she loved her ball. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we would usually like go out and play a little ball with her, play a little, you know, so we actually probably amped up her arousal at the door by doing that, but it did work because the barking was just a lot. And so we were like, yeah, you can't bark with a ball in your mouth. Can't bark with a ball in your mouth. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So Daisy has this mixture between excitement and learned barking (laughs) that she does every time she goes outside because when we first moved into this house she saw a squirrel out in the backyard I didn't really realize how aroused she was and I opened the door and she chased the squirrel and then she started jumping up trying to catch it in this huge tall tree like she was never going to get the squirrel but she started jumping like four feet in the air. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so cute. Let me take a video. And she, that was so reinforcing to her to know that I thought she was doing something adorable (laughs) that to this day, that behavior is ingrained of going to the back door, bursting out barking and going to that same tree, whether or not there's a squirrel in it. So what we do instead now is we read her body language before we let her go out. And if she's super amped up, she doesn't get to go out right at that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, if she's jumping, spinning, whining, we just take a few steps back until she can kind of get a grip. Get a grip. Yep. And, you know, one thing we didn't put in there was, you know, a drag line, you know, like Piper now, sometimes if it's early in the morning Mm -hmm. or, 
you know, five o'clock at night and people are having their dinner. I just put her out there with a five foot lead and I keep an eye on her. You know, mm-hmm. I don't just leave her out there where she could get into trouble. Um, and then when she's barking, I'll be like, okay, girlfriend, come on in, you know, so mm-hmm. you're, and she's not punished. just not like you're in trouble, but yeah. it's like, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. You can't be barking, disturbing people. Yeah. I think that if you have a dog who is barking a lot in the backyard, a cue like leave it or okay, all done. Mm-hmm. Something like that is really helpful to get them, you know, just off of whatever they're fixated on. And then why, you know, for, for a backyard barker, like are all their needs being met? I look mm-hmm. at that all the time with Piper, like for her, when I got her at a year and a half, her emotional and enrichment needs were not being met. And honestly, to this day, I'm always constantly trying to think of like, am I meeting all her needs? Because this barking in the yard is not going away. Like I'm Mm -hmm. working on it, working on it. It's been a year and a half, Um, you know, but she'll hear something four houses down and because she's a Pyrenees, she'll bark, bark, bark sometimes. So we're doing more walks, more sniffing. I recently got her her off-leash tag Mm -hmm. and we've been doing some, and she's just loving that. So, you know, just trying to add more enrichment to her life that would mimic the normal life that Pyrenees should have because no one ever bred a Pyrenees to be in a backyard. Right. Yeah. And that's, this is such an important point, Emily, especially when it comes to frustration barking or demand barking, you know, are all of this dog's needs being met? And if not, that's the first place to look. And it's hard to like meet the needs of a young dog. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get it. (laughs) We get it. Listeners, if you're struggling with that, we understand. Um, And then demand barking, I think is a big side effect of positive reinforcement training. If we don't really understand what we're doing with those treats, Mm -hmm. I've seen that multiple times even just in short sessions in someone's house where a dog will just totally stand, look, you look straight at you and start barking for Mm. the treats. Have you had that? Yes. Yeah. And so that's a good one where, you know, like, I feel like, you know, all of this, like you would not want to do a treat scatter. If your dog is staring straight at you and you've got your treat pouch on, or you're standing in front of the treat jar and they bark right at you, Mm -hmm. walk away. Right. That behavior makes me not only not feed you, it makes me walk away. Right. Yeah. And like I was like talking about with Daisy, you have to be careful about what you reinforce because sometimes all it takes is one time. Right. Right. Yeah. So what, what do you do if you have a dog who is doing something like that, could you cue an alternate behavior, like go get your ball or touch, or would you ignore until the behavior is extinguished? I would go back to that, like WTF, what's the function. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've, I've met some horrific demand barkers in my life. So Mm -hmm. I really do think like getting up, walking out of the room, going in the bathroom, closing the door, just like, because I'm not going to name any names, but we have an SDR dog um, who was adopted out 
adore her, adore her mom. But whenever somebody comes over, this really smart little dog learned that my mom's busy and wants to interact with this person. If I bark, I will be fed. Mm. So we have had, we've loved this person. Mm-hmm. So we've had like multiple trainers go over there for like a little snacks and wine kind of mm-hmm. thing. And we all know, do not reinforce the demand barking, but at this point it's so extreme and the learned, the learning history on that demand barking is so intense that like, we end up being like, does anybody have a bone we can give her? Just to, like, <laughs> it like pierces through your skull. Mm-hmm. I feel like demand barking with a smart dog can become weaponized. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think just trying not to do anything where it's like I bark and then they give me some attention, you know, like mm-hmm. redirecting to a hand target or a down and then feeding that a smart dog can just work you. And then you, when you have friends over, you have to just be like, can you do hand targeting with my dog for the next hour? If they don't <laughs> demand bark at you. So yeah. yeah. Ignore be like, why is my dog barking me? Oh, it wants attention. Okay. I'm going to get up and walk away. Right. And then make a note. Yeah. Make a note. They need something and come back out Mm -hmm. and work with them and Mm -hmm. enrich their lives, but not. Yeah. In that moment, it's so hard. It's so hard, but you can't reinforce behavior. You don't want because by definition, that behavior will increase. All right. So this was just a kind of a brief barking overview I would highly recommend the book Barking, The Sound of a Language. It's like $9 on Amazon or at your local bookstore. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, like we said, there's so much to talk about here. So um, this will come up again and again and again. Um, But hopefully this gives you a little bit better of an understanding of why your dog might be barking in a given situation and some tips to deal with it. And if you're struggling with barking, feel free to message us on social media or send us an email because we can refer you to really great trainers who do virtual consults, who could help you break down why your dog is barking, or maybe we can do a listener question on barking in Mm -hmm. a few months. So if people want to give us like specifics, really specific of like maybe sending some videos too, because Mm. the sound and the body language would probably be super helpful to look Mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Then maybe we could do something like that down the road. Right on. Well, thank you all listeners as always for listening. If this episode was helpful to you, please like share, subscribe, review, And we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked this episode, don't forget to rate and review. It helps other folks like you find the show. To find out more about our programming and adoptable rescue dogs, you can visit summitdogrescue.org. Thanks to Mike Pesci for the original music and to Alex Lee Ammons and For the Love Media for graphics, production, and editing. See you soon on Pod to the Rescue.